Welcome to Feminized. It's time for a show that turns the spotlight on the powerful women shaping cannabis culture. The cannabis industry is on fire and women are sparking it up. If you like the show, please subscribe. You can also subscribe to the Feminized podcast with Liz Grow on YouTube and Instagram. The future is feminized. Julie Chiarello is the editor-in-chief of the iconic grow mag, Skunk Magazine. When she's not traveling to the sexiest places for cannabis, Julie is sowing seeds of consciousness and documenting the beauty of the green renaissance. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Julie Chiarello. Hey, sis. You're now listening to the Feminized Podcast. Julie Chiarello. Did I? Very good. amazing. That's like the best I've ever heard. Oh, perfect. Well, I speak a little Italian. I was actually Brava, born. Brava. Grazie, grazie. I was, I was born in Italy and um, I didn't get a cool Italian last name, but, but okay, Chiariello. Um, and, and in like American uh, English speakers, native English speakers, is it Chiariello? Chiarell- is that how they say it? I say, I just say, Think of Michael Chiarello and I make it easier for them. Chiarello. Okay. Chiarello. Okay. Chiarello. But because it's hard for, first of all, the CH is a K sound. So that already throws people off. Right. But yeah, you said it beautifully. And oh. you know, in Sicily, that's how they say it. Sicilia. Mm. <laughs> that's how they say it. So. Oh, so be- I didn't know then you were my Italiana sister. That's so cool. Right. I think that we kind of felt that though. The first time we were in a room together, it was like, there's something here. Um, Absolutely. absolutely. Warrior women, I think. Um, Welcome though. Welcome, Julie Chiarello or Chiariello to the Feminized Podcast. It's incredible to have you here. And you are the special 420 episode. And I can't imagine any anybody more worthy to hold that spot than you, the editor-in-chief of Skunk Magazine. welcome. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me on. So, you know, let's start with the beginning. How did you get to be in the place that you're at, which is the editor-in-chief of arguably the most important cannabis publication um, that we have right now? Thank you, Liz. Well, it's been a wild ride. You know, I'm a stoner. First became a stoner at 16. I became a certified herbalist 25 years ago. Uh, began studying business theory and business practices 26 years ago. And I worked in the yoga industry for like 15 years and uh, maybe less than that, a little bit less than that. And, uh, you know, sold an organic yoga clothing line globally, uh, taught yoga to kids, ran a yoga studio, really studied consciousness. I was definitely an esoteric all these years. And then 16 years ago, I got into the cannabis industry I went into the vaporizer sector. I was sales and marketing director for Magic Flight that I took global. And I was going to all the top European shows and really getting to know people globally um, about this, this fight, this, this, this prohibition, this 125 years of oppression. And I really got activated. And it, it became not just a medicine for me and not just kind of a, a lifestyle for me, but it definitely became a passion, uh, a mission, an act of service. And about nine years ago, I met the owners of Skunk. I met them after a Treating Yourself Expo on the side of the road at one in the morning. It was totally synchronistic. And, um, you know, that's a story in and it of itself. And I started writing for the magazine. And uh, at the time, nine years ago, the two previous owners, uh, the RCMP came and uh, waged a case against them for seed importation and seed trafficking. Mm. They were the largest importer of seeds at the time from Europe into Canada. And so I negotiated for ownership and I said I would modernize the magazine and I would save the magazine and I would bring it into a new era. And that's what I've done. It's taken nine years of incredibly hard work and I've died many times on this journey. Um, to, to basically be here today. I'm still standing and definitely a warrior, a, um, a battle-worn uh, warrior, mm-hmm. but I'm still standing. And, and so Skunk now is 16 years old. And what I loved about Skunk when I first met 
the owners was that it was the only magazine in the world that was devoted to organic cultivation practices. And also it was deeply devoted to saving and protecting genetics. And also the legacy stories, the traditions, all of it really spoke to me. And as an herbalist and a businesswoman, I said, you know, this is the future. Uh, this is what we have to protect for the future of the cannabis industry. And I coined the term green renaissance that nine years ago, because I was so sick of hearing people talk about the green rush and how they were going to come in and make millions of dollars doing business as usual, not protecting the earth, not protecting our soils and waterways, not caring about their community, just caring about their egos and, and you know, lining their pocketbooks. And it just disgusted me. So that was my whole mission. It really became now it's just, you know, I've given everything to it. It's it, it way transcends um, work. It's just, it's, it's, it's my mission and I'm gonna do as much as I can to help foster a more organic, eco-friendly, sustainable industry over the next two decades. That's my focus. Incredible, incredible. Such a noble focus. Um, and as a cannabis consumer, I'm incredibly grateful for that, you know, because the, the, the industry only gets bigger and you know, it's, it's harder to separate the signal from the noise every day. And um, there are lots of buzzwords. And so I think for consumers, it's easy to get distracted, you know, away from, you know, what really matters and what's pulling us to this plant, which is that which Mother Nature gives us in its most complete form, right? But, you know, we're, we're manufacturing, we're twisting, we're, you know, using nutrients that, that aren't, um, are very harmful for the earth and we're not thinking about the earth. And so, just the fact that you have taken on that cross and have made it your life's mission is, um, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredibly admirable and inspirational. Thank you. I mean, it's Mother Earth speaking to me herself and the plants. As an herbalist, what I always believed was that the earth is propagating consciousness with her plants. And she's waking up her children to say, innovate, evolve, evolve how you're doing business, evolve how you're working with uh, your earthly resources and protect me because the fact of the matter is, is we are the earth and the earth is us. And this dis disconnection that has been perpetuated for 10,000 years under patriarchy, under uh, the, the casting out of the sacred feminine. You know, I was talking actually with Jake earlier this morning about, about this, that, you know, mother's milk is filled with cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. And so I consider cannabis the mother plant. She is mother's milk to us. She is nourishing us, she is healing us, she is giving to us. But what are we doing for her? Are we protecting her? Are we helping her? Are we helping uh, where she comes from? Mother Earth herself. Uh, and this is the sacred feminine, which it's not about gender. It's about the fact that we have masculine and feminine principles that rule our world, it's universal law. And those forces work together in union to create life. Mm -hmm. This is the core truth of our entire existence. And what I really want to share or seed, help to seed consciousness into the cannabis, global cannabis industry is that we are meant to get into alignment with this truth. Yes. Because we've been so out of alignment for 10,000 years and look at the destruction it's caused. Look mm. at the havoc it's wreaked. Look at all of the illness and the disconnection and the separation that people feel. Why? Because they're not connected to that which they are anymore. They're out of balance, they're out of tune. And so really, you know, deeper is yes, let's grow fire weed. Let's make it organic. Let's grow the best genetics in the world. You know, let's win a cup, whatever the hell. But that's not, what it's about. It's about us, I think, at the deepest level, coming back into alignment with that which we are and really coming back into our full vibrancy and vitality as human beings. Because when we're in alignment, then we're more powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're not working with two different halves and we're not mind fucking ourselves. Like just listening to how you described that divine feminine, but we also have this masculine and having that alignment. I'm, I'm imagining in my head, the sides kind of fighting and in conflict sometimes. And as a result, I'm not, I'm not powerful, right? 
because of mar media marketing and what I think I should believe and what how I think I should be an act. Um, right. You know, and and well, it, it, it's fear, right? Aren't we being ruled by fear and scarcity? Yeah. And this is a lie because we're abundant and the master frequency is love, not love the emotion. I'm talking love that transcends all. Yes. And, you know, that's ultimately what we are. But oh, in the system, we're manipulated by fear. Mm. And this is what we have to guard against, I feel. And this is what wakes us up. I mean, when you smoke a really nice joint, or if you, if you don't smoke, if you, if you take an edible or a tincture or whatever, the point being is that it puts you into a state of ease for most people. Some people, mm. cannabis isn't their medicine and it makes them anxious or whatever, and that's fine. But for most of us, it puts us in a state of ease. It, it puts us into homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And that as an herbalist, cannabis is really a plant that helps to create homeostasis in the body. It helps us to get into a space of self-healing because we are self-healing beings. And so it helps us to actually get into that more relaxed, trusting state of surrender and mm. connection with that which we are, our source. And then therefore we're flowing. We're in the flow. We, we, we get, you know, we talk to the right people. We're there at the right time. We're, we're in the flow. So that's what I feel like, you know, is so powerful is that she actually helps us, many of us, to not move from a place of fear. Mm. I love that. And I'm, I'm, it's easy when you're we're podcasting and having conversations to, I want to say something right now, but I really, I, I love sitting in this understanding and it feels really, really great to be having this conversation with you. <laughs> Oh, podcast aside, edit it out if you will, Tannis. Um, but I just really, this, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you know, I can't help but think of my, you know, my local community um, and how they are suffering, 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 suffering. I mean, my local community of 30 million Texans, um, you know, without access to this plant. And what's really shameful, Julie, is that this week, our, our Texas Supreme Court is still hearing arguments on whether or not we should allow our Texas hemp farmers to grow craft hemp and sell it to their Texas neighbors. They're trying to make that illegal. The, there are powers that are still fighting that. And so I wanna hear you know, your thoughts and feelings about what's happening you know, in states that are prohibition states, but specifically Texas, you know, mm -hmm. To really rejecting cannabinoids. Yeah, you know, just being in the industry for 16 years, almost 17 now, um, what I've seen is that anywhere that we're dealing with legalization, we're also going to be dealing with ignorance, corruption, greed, lack of science. And, you know, the fact that only 15% of our doctors know about the endocannabinoid system is the way these corrupt motherfuckers get away with this shit. Excuse my French, but it's really- uh, Parlez-vous Francais, okay. If the shoe fits and, <sighs> you know, basically what's sad about this whole thing is that science has been suppressed in the name of greed and it's the American government that's done it. Uh, you know, they definitely- have led the charge, you know, and a lot of people still don't know that they patented cannabinoids back in the 90s. There's a patent, look it up. Uh, and, and basically they, they know, they know the truth, but they still hide the truth. And here we are still schedule one. Here we are, no federal legalization, even though right. our government patented cannabinoids back in the 90s. Right. That to me is obscenely disgusting. I mean, it's the most hypocritical thing ever. But they get away with it because nobody knows. Nobody right. knows the science still. So I really feel like one of the most important areas is educating everybody and people not within the industry. You know, talk to your doctor, talk to your lawyer, talk to your, you know, yes, Zumba teacher, whatever the fuck. Talk to everybody about their endocannabinoid system. Talk to the, the other moms. Yeah, everybody mom. has an endocannabinoid system. Every mammal has an endocannabinoid system. And it's, it should be a human right for 
for people to know the science of their own bodies, whether they imbibe cannabis or not, they are, they have a right, a human right to, to know about their own bodies and the emerging science. So this is a real problem. And this is why they're getting away with this in Texas and, and everywhere we're dealing with it in California as well. I'm mm. a native Californian and we're, we're dealing with overtaxation and overregulation. Yeah. So they couldn't do this. They couldn't get away with this if the whole human populace knew the science. Mm. So mm. this is, this to me is the big thing, Liz. This is where I feel like our work is, um, is how can we keep on reaching out yes. into the larger community and helping them grasp the science? Yes. I love that. I'm just taking notes. Don't mind me. <laughs> That's what it's about. Listening intently. So. Right. Um, God, this is good. But um, to the larger community, that's what it is all about. And what's really great is we're going to pull that out and I'm going to package that and we're going to you know, social media the shit out of this uh, education, um, you know, and, and that's kind of our way of giving back to the plant and giving back to mother, if you will, you know, doing our job and serving just as, hey, we're good at this. Hey, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's spread mm -hmm. this message and be a channel, be a conduit um, of that truth, because, you know, you can't deny it. Um, we, we're kind of shit stirs, you know, in Texas because we live the way we live and I'm always mugshot ready. Um, and I, you know, will I never, ever stop talking until all of my brothers and sisters are out of prison for a plant. Um, right. We like to lock people up in Texas. There's no question about that. Um, but what I am saying is that I forgot what I was saying, um, because I got so sorry off on this tangent of still locking people up in Texas for a plant. Can we yeah. talk to us about that, Julie? What do you, I don't know, what are your feelings on uh, the fact that this drug is still considered a drug, a schedule one drug with no medicinal benefits, and we are still putting people in jail at a very alarming rate um, right. in many places? Oh, it is, it's an aberration, you know, it's an aberration. It's, uh, it's something, you know, it's what all of us who've devoted so much of our lives uh, to doing is, is, is stopping this aberration from happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, the fact that, you know, the Chads and Brads, you know, the white privileged have been allowed to come in and make millions of dollars while our brown and uh, black counterparts are still rotting in jail for the most part. Mm. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we need massive clemency. We need massive wiping of records and, and things of that nature. Um, it's just completely corrupt. And, right. you know, it's part of what I'm doing at Skunk. Like when I officially took over, you know, because for many years when I was at Skunk, I didn't really have the say to transform uh, the content as I thought we needed to. You know, Skunk mm -hmm. for a long time was speaking to the 18 to 40 year old white male. Um, and that was our client. And listen, I have no problem against white males. In fact, I know so many wonderful white males who are awake mm -hmm. and conscious and aware of their privilege. And, and they're, they're fucking radical. You know, Ooh. that's what we want is we want awake, vibrant white men to say, you know what, it's my responsibility too. I can't just keep enjoying these privileges and not actually do my due diligence to help my other uh, members of my human community. Cause right, it's one human race, right? You know, like Bob Marley saying, it's like, when are we as a global cannabis gonna community gonna actually live Bob Marley's words? What does it mean when we say one love, one planet, one heart? Mm. What does that mean? Right. That means that we can't breathe comfortably until everybody can breathe comfortably. Mm. So what I'm trying to do with the magazine is really show, not just pay lip service to these ideas, but through consistent education, through consistent representation. So in every issue since I officially took over, you'll see equal representation of men and women used to be like 90% men and 10% women in the magazine. Now it's 50-50 men and women 
uh, voices, educators, uh, specialists, and then Black, Brown, Native, Asian, and LGBTQ voices always highlighted every single issue, not just as a one-off, not just as a theme, because that's what we see a lot of is we see people paying lip service to this and check marking the boxes for their PC fucking marketing campaigns, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean shit and it's not actually helping and they're not actually doing the work. And no. so this is the quandary. So that's my commitment. That's the way that I'm trying to be of service to evolution and change mm -hmm. and more diversity and more women. I mean, mm. I'm in a minority here because I'm a first generation Cuban immigrant mm. and I'm a woman. So I'm 3% of the industry. And the fact that I'm in ownership and leadership, I'm 3% of the industry. Wow. 81% wow. of the industry is white male run, owned and led right now. Wow. 81%. Yet, it's about all of us. It's about the entire human community. Everybody should be invited to the table of the cannabis movement mm. and industry. Right, right, right. I agree. I absolutely unequivocally agree. Um, what would you say though to those people, you know, those brads and chats who say, hey, uh, motherfucker, we're building it. We're putting money behind it. What would you say to them? Well, you know, the, the road is littered with Chad and Brad dead bodies. You know, what they've shown us in the last five years is that the green rush is bullshit. And if you think you're going to walk in with millions of dollars and succeed, you're wrong. You're going to get your ass handed to you. And that's what they've been shown time and time again. Yeah. Because, because they come in, they pay themselves these big, you know, salaries and you know, shit on everybody except themselves, like med men, good example. Um, you know, and 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 then they expect that they're gonna be the kings of the world, you know, they're they're the, you know, and it's just it's just it's a complete farce. It's a complete satire. It so is. I just kind of sit back and keep doing the right work, the meaningful work, the work of substance, and they just killed themselves off. They hung themselves on their own um Chad and Brad rope. But the thing is, is that hopefully they wake up, you know, when we get pushed to the zero point, what do we do? You know, hopefully we learn a lesson. Yes. And so we want big money yes. to become conscious. When I speak about the green renaissance, yes. I'm talking about a, a renaissance in business, which, you know, we see this not just happening in the cannabis industry. We see it all over the place of this privilege and this, this kind of egotistical uh, you know, I win at any cost, no matter the earth, no matter the people, mm. no matter the third world nation, mm. I win. And that's that kind of thinking is is disgusting. And our, our society has celebrated it. Mm. You know, you mm -hmm. know, you get put on Forbes for for doing this, this thing. And what we want to see is we want to see a redefinition of success, a redefinition of what it means to be wealthy mm. and to realize that to be that way is to be decrepit. To be that way is to be poor, poor mm. in spirit, mm. poor in character. And we got to start, we got to stop celebrating these people and stop, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight because yeah. I know I'm talking about something. I speak a lot about stuff in the decades of time. Mm. or you know in the in the century of time yes. that it might take to evolve but nonetheless I feel it's important we talk about it now you know and so yes. I just I've talked with everything I've said I've said to a Chad yeah I, I talk to them I tell them what I think I know you have. yeah and so yeah. then maybe there will be a seed that's planted you know I've talked with large-scale yeah. growers that are doing traditional cultivation and I say, you know, you should really have a responsibility to start doing organics. I've influenced people to take on better practices, but mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes the seeds fall on fallow ground mm -hmm. and sometimes it does work. So I think we just, we have to keep on holding a better standard and holding the true values, you know, and doing the education, which is what you're doing, Liz, with, with wow. your show. 
Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an honor to be able to provide the platform, you know, again, for this, this message. So thank you for that. Um, but, you know, one of the things I, I think that I, I value Skunk Magazine so highly for is, you know, the fact that it's, you know, this, this, the voice that you're, you're giving us right now is the voice that upholds the publication, but it's very diverse. You know, you, you touch on, you know, many different topics within cannabis, but, you know, number one, you are teaching people to grow organically. You're teaching millions and millions of people to grow organically. So, you know, what is that like? And what has that been like? Uh, well, it's, it's what made me become a fighter and a warrior for skunk um, and determined to hit my mark for skunk and mm. bring skunk into the new era was because it, it fought for organics. Because my dream of the future for the global cannabis industry is that 20 years from now, the predominant style of growing will be organic. And I know it's gonna take time, but right now we're dealing with a very low percentage of organics and it just blows my mind that we're not further along, but we're not further along because of prohibition, right. because we were forced to hide. We were forced to go inside. We were forced to, you know, mm. <clears throat> however we could get by, we were gonna do it because the plant needed to make its way through. So <clears throat> I think for me with skunk, it's just, that's the first tenant, but then being an herbalist, you know, um, we also talk about psychedelics and theogens. I have uh, Brigitte Mars, um, you know, a famous herbalist. She's written 14 books. She's writing about other plant allies and other complementary herbs that go along with, with cannabis. So our pillars at Skunk are that we taught millions of people to grow organically at home. And that will remain our pillar. Um, and, and we also focus on the genetics. We also focus on um, legacy and teaching about the true histories and true lineages and having respect for our elders and those who came before us um, and taking care of our elders and protecting them. Um, you know, it's just basically bringing the sacred back. Mm -hmm. It's it's helping people to remember what is inherently sacred about our world and about ourselves mm -hmm. and about our plants. <clears throat> and so that's the deeper thing is that we're seeding consciousness. So, yes. yeah, we can talk about fireweed, talk about, you know, all of the, the wonderful things that we're doing and who's doing cool things and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, what we're attempting to do is seed consciousness at the deepest level we're yes. seeding consciousness uh, i love that um and you do it in, in a really great way because listen i want to smoke some hella jelly okay <laughs> you got me you 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 pull me in in different ways you seeded that consciousness but you know your skunk magazine's knowledge of strains and strain reviews um are just so yummy i don't know how else to put it they're just that's addictive, you know, especially for somebody in a prohibition market where we're, we don't have a lot of um, variety. So, mm -hmm. uh, like, can we talk about that? Like, the, what pulls the consumers in and the readers oh, in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't, I'm not feeding consciousness by beating people over the head and making it uh, really unfun and ugly. I'm a big believer in beauty. Um, and I think that there's a magic to beauty. I mean, look at our world, yes. you know, you know, the way that we have the flowers and the birds, you know, yeah. creation makes love to us. That's right. Um, You're so, so Italian. I love it. <laughs> you are so I, Italian. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's Spanish. I'm totally Mediterranean. Yeah. Spanish yeah. And, and Cuban art, French. Yes. Yeah. I was just reading this morning, the art of the Italians is beauty. And I'm like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Is, you know, yeah. 100%. So hearing you speak about it. That's the way it. I would. For sure, for sure. Like when you look through the magazine, it's just beauty. You know, the idea is that the beauty knocks you out and you don't even know what's happening and your consciousness has changed. There's not even a thought of, oh, I got to change. No, you're already changed. Just by looking at it, you're changed. That's always my goal is that it's just very beautiful. And through that beauty, that pathway of beauty, people's consciousness opens up. 
and I love genetics. I mean, that's one area we're going to be doing a lot more exciting things. We have the Skunk Brigade uh, Global Membership Club that we're going to be doing all kinds of exciting things with. Um, we're doing NFTs. We bought real estate in the metaverse. And we're going to be doing lots of special things with all of the top breeders in the world, the soul breeders, as I like to call them, mm. the true stewards of the plant that have respect for the plant that, and then the plant gifts them with amazing variety and expression and beauty, yes. you know, absolute beauty, absolute yes. just bliss and pleasure. I mean, what is she giving us? She's completely, you know, activating her children through beauty and pleasure. Come on like seriously and uh, so for me like I absolutely am going to be doing a lot more in the years to come even more with the global soul breeders yes. and and just highlighting their work celebrating their work and and through that you know not in an egoic sense but in a sense of we are all stewards mm -hmm. you know our rightful place as human beings is as stewards of the planet we are meant to practice stewardship and husbandry. Mm. And part of why people are so fucked up and depressed and, and feeling disconnected and anxious and lost is because they don't foster that connection as a sacred steward. Mm. The Native Americans knew it, they functioned as stewards. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have some kind of like Pollyanna view of what their lives were like. There was still a lot of uh, war between the tribes and, and, and different things that they did. But what they did have is they did have that innate sense that they were the earth, the earth was them, and they were meant as a, a part of the sacred web of life to, to practice stewardship and to pay attention to nature and work with nature in a way that helps themselves, but also helps mother nature herself. So that's, that's what I'm excited about with all the soul breeders that we talked to and all of the developments. You mentioned Hella Jelly. Mm -hmm. um, Nat, Nat's a good example. I mean, Nat not only fights to do his, his work and to bring out all these exciting genetics, but with his wife, they have um, helped to heal the, the river and the watershed and, and help the salmon to continue to, to uh, spawn. Oh. And they, they brought their-, their In river. the LA river? Is that the, you know, are they part of that project? They're up in uh, Humboldt. Oh, Humboldt. So the, that whole river yes. system. Yes. I've done I've... a lot of work there, you know, and that's a good example of stewardship for me is that Nat just doesn't care about himself and his business and, you know, how cool he is and how many cups he's won. Right. He cares about nature. He cares about Mother Earth and he fights to protect her in his work. And so that's what I want to see more of. And I try and show examples of that because I think the more examples that we show, look here, this, this person doing it, this company, this, these people, there's so many people. Yes. I want to keep showing examples that people, you can do it too. Yeah. It's totally within your wheelhouse, within your uh, realm of capability to do. So that's, that's a part of our mission as well. Mm. With the genetics. It's a deeper thing too. Right, right. Very saving deep. Seeds, protecting seeds. Pro uh, saving seeds and protecting seeds and reminding people that this is all where it comes from. It all comes from this. And then you're teaching them these beautiful practices to build around that and to nourish the this. Um, I would, I've been dying to talk to you about land race strains. Um, will you you know, give, I think the listeners kind of high level overview of what even is, you know, a land race strain and why it's important or, you know, how it's being used, I think, in marketing now and how it's being misunderstood, how they are and, you know, the importance, I think, of the preservation of these strains. Well, you know, it's just pretty amazing, really, that cannabis has been with human beings for tens of thousands of years. Uh, and we're just always even seeing new reports and new reports of cannabis being a part of, you know, ancient Sumeria, mm -hmm. you know, the anointing oil, 
you know, all these different things that we're learning about how cannabis has been intrinsically intertwined with humankind since the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and so you think about earth and with the land race strains, um, which we don't even know how or when it began, but there are core expressions of cannabis plant at different locations around the planet that, that that's their origin. Like people don't know, like potatoes, they only come from South America. The rest of the world received potatoes because potatoes were brought from South America. Mm -hmm. Potatoes weren't all over the planet. We've brought potatoes over to Europe, then it became a staple food. But it's with cannabis, it's different. There are actual land race strains that their origin is from that place that they are currently. Mm. And that's different than the strains that are developed by a grower. And of course, we're like birds, you know, like we eat a seed and then take the seed over there and then the seed starts propagating over there. Uh -huh. You know, when the, when the bird poops it out, whatever, we're, we're <laughs> like that. People don't realize we are propagating cannabis even more fully around the planet than the earth herself did at the beginning. Yes. They're continuing her work, but the land race strains are important because it goes back to origin. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly, Liz, honestly, like I'm constantly learning myself. Mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, I've, I've tried several different times to have a land race column and to give people more education about the Afghani, you know, the unique Afghani strains. A mm -hmm. lot of the cannabis industry, you know, the Afghani strains came over because there were hippies partying in Goa all night and dancing till the sunrise doing psychedelics and smoking potent hash. And they smuggled those seeds over to California and New York and that's why we have our modern cannabis strains because those renegade hippies. Yeah. But they took from the Afghani land races and they brought them over. Now the Afghani mm. land race expressions are crossed. And so they're a part of these newer strains. And we mm -hmm. want people to get activated with this knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, and then there was, you know, cannabis land race in North America itself. Um, you know, uh, so there's just so yeah. much, you know, that people need to understand. A lot of people think that marijuana, the word is bad, marijuana, but for centuries, Mexicanos have had cannabis and made cannabis medicines. Uh, the abuelas would make their liniments and they, they would put, and if you look at Emiliano Zapata and the Zapatistas, they were cannabis users. La Cucaracha, that song, they yes. speak about marijuana que fumar. So, but marijuana oh. became bad when Anslinger took it on 125 years ago. I hope mm. he's burning in the eternal pits of hell. Mm. And he is. made it racist and tried to you know, basically put this racial slur on, yeah. especially the jazz, you know, the Latino and Filipino and black jazz and swing community back then. And, and that's what made marijuana bad. But what it also did is it killed the understanding of the histories that this plant has been here for thousands and thousands of years. So I think mm. that's the important thing with land race stories and protecting um, origin stories and telling those origin stories to the new kind of era of cannabis industry people is they just don't know. And then they don't have that respect. If you don't know something, then how can you respect it? Right. But if you know, you know, and you, we are all one. All of this information is all of our information. You know, it always shocks me when <clears throat> I find, you know, folks that are new into the um, kind of cannabis lifestyle or using the plant are um, 
feel like they don't belong, you know, or feel like certain terms are off limits or, I mean, these are, are region, there are regional terms that have been used. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Julius is an underground, you know, we were forced underground and we have a legacy market that we don't know about. And it's for all of us, you know, to learn and to understand and, and to steward, you know, as you say, steward this plant, steward this industry, you know, in the right direction. So it serves the right people. I hate that term, oh, right people. But uh, when I say right people, I mean those people who are giving back to mother, who respect mother, who aren't at odds with her or at the very least and slash worst ignorant, who wanna stay blissfully ignorant. We're in 2022, you can't do that anymore. You know, you just can't. It's like pick a damn side because it's a right or wrong. Um, oh, so um, I ask my guests the same three questions <clears throat> every episode and I'm dying to know your answers, Julie. Okay, so it's not necessarily quick fire, but first question. Tell me who is in your dream smoke circle, dead or alive, three people. Oh, shit. Um, well, Bob Marley, of course. Yes. I love him. And we're actually doing something special for the summer issue, which I won't say, but it's definitely involving his legacy. Um, that would be incredible. And uh, Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Toklas, you know, my whole idea of the Renaissance came from them back way when, when they were in the French salons and holding these consciousness talks, I feel like they actually inspired the beats. So my theory is the renaissance of new consciousness, new thought began in the French salons with Hemingway and all those mm. incredible writers that were writing a new style. And then you had like Picasso and the surrealist and, and Dadaism. And, uh, and there was kind of an evolution with women and, and women, you know, and Alice B. Toklas wrote that book on uh, hashish brownies, mm -hmm. which I think is like, okay, that was 125. How fucking ballsy right. to put out a book on hashish brownies way back when. So I would love, I mean, it would be amazing to be in the French salon smoking wow. a hash joint with those ladies. Um, with that's, I, that's my dream. Serenading. I love that. God, what a beautiful dream. Um, okay, so second question is, um, tell me about another woman who's inspiring you right now in cannabis. Um, you know, who's really inspired me? Um, I was just at the Dabadu in Barcelona and Mila, Cash Queen Mila, I got to spend more time with her. I mean, I've known her for a long, several years now, many years, um, but I got to spend more time with her and she had Ed Rosenthal speak and he really brought it home how difficult it is for women in the cannabis industry in particular, women in business in general, and then women in cannabis that we deal with a lot of shit. We put up with a lot of shit I mean, I've got stories and I'm not going to go into them here, um, but we also have to work twice as hard or three times as hard as our male counterparts mm -hmm. to even make a go of it, mm. even stay in the game. Uh, because, you know, a lot of women were coming in and now, if, if you know, our numbers are actually lower oh. than they were before. They're actually dropping yeah. uh, because it's so much harder. The, the boys club is alive and well in the cannabis industry. Mm. And so Mila Hash Queen, you know, looking at her, the fact that she has survived through decades upon decades since the 60s, mm. you know, since traveling through as a rebel, as a renegade, I mean, it's fucking incredible. She's mm. a living fucking legend. And it, because she had enough strength and courage uh, and to keep on going, to persist. The yes. fact that she's still here, she's still standing. And she, run, she ran the first ever all-female hash competition 
that's ever been done. Celebrating female hash makers this year at so, Spanibus. Mm -hmm. oh, yep, which is the first one who won. at her Dabadoo event at her Dabadoo event at the uh, RDM uh, Club Association. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so she's she would have to be the one who I think is most deeply inspiring me. That mm -hmm. um, you know, in thinking in terms of decades of devotion, not just oh, I want to have a successful company, blah, blah, blah. And I want to make a certain amount of money, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not why I'm doing this. It's about how can we transform this thing for the better over the next couple of decades? Mm -hmm. I've already been in it for two decades. And, you know, I'm only 45. So she's she inspires me. She keeps going and she keeps doing the work. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, I'd love to meet her one day. I know I will one day. Um, okay. And third question is what advice do you have for your 13 year old self? Hmm. Well, I think that for me, what I would have told my 13 year old self, oh, bless her heart. <laughs> oh, she was so, you know, worried, um, about being accepted and so afraid, hmm. uh, to express herself fully. Um, and so, you know, and now at this point, I, you know, I really don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just going to come out and say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. Whether I feel comfortable or not doesn't matter. But what I've hit a new stride this year. And I think what I would tell her is that, you know, 24 seven, um, God creation source is there for you mm. and put your trust in that and mm. you will be guided every step of the way with information, with helpers, with openings, with opportunities, with learning experiences, and just open your heart, open your mind to the fact that you have help, you have love, you have support 24 seven. Mm. If you're willing to ask, you will receive. And it's a magical thing. And I'm living that life that way right now. It's a 24 seven conversation with God non-denominational, non-religious. I'm talking about that inner conversation that is available to each of us, that we each can have that sense of surrender, that sense of trust, that sense of dynamic, unconditional love radiating towards our hearts and our souls every moment of the day. If we allow ourselves, if we open ourselves up to it, we will receive it. And I would have told her that because mm -hmm. that's the secret sauce. And but you can't, you know, I had to go through all that. Yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. to get our hearts broken millions of times, uh, I think, to learn these lessons. Absolutely. The shadow and the light work together. We do. To, in union, to bring us into wholeness. And, uh, and so, but bless mm. her heart. That's a, that's a lovely question. <laughs> mm. I, I, We're so hard on our little <laughs> selves. We, and that was such a horrible time, um, like eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, we're so hard. Yeah, the most the most ambitious, influential women, you know, were the ones that really want to hug their 13 year old selves the, the hardest. You know, when I asked that question and I sense that and in a way I asked that question because it's, you know, I think of it every time I ask it, you know, about about Liz and what I would have given and. Uh, I think a lot about decades and centuries too. Um, just another reason why we're besties. It's just wanting people to be <laughs> more tender. Like yes. I'm literally, this is what you just asked me. I was actually going to do a little video about it this God. week because um, I do my little conscious videos yeah. and talking about consciousness, which is close to my heart, um, which some people don't really understand. But the reason that I do it is because this is what the plants, this is what she's calling me to do yes. is speak about these things. But that tender love is really the gift that we must give ourselves. I feel like it's truly one of the most important things is that we truly practice a loving and forgiving uh, relationship with ourselves. And that we kind of, you know, to heal our wounds, to heal our mother and father wounds, we really have to become a loving, kind, caring parent to ourselves mm -hmm. and love ourselves up so completely that we become whole once again. And, and it's available to each of us. And I just want as many people as possible to know it. So I'm really glad that you're, you're doing this work too. 
uh, my fellow warrior sister. <laughs> I have to touch my, I, I just learned this trick yesterday from a fellow warrior sister. I, this is a citrine and it's, oh, it's powerful. Yep. And I've been wearing it's it. Activated. Uh, yes, I'm feeling activated. Oh. And she said, hey, baby, put it at your pituitary gland. Yep, wake <laughs> up. So when I'm just feeling these moments, it's like, oh, file this away, file this away, file this away. Because, you know, we mentioned it took a lot of heartbreak. It takes the dark and the light, you know, and then all of this wisdom kind of pours through. I think it does take a lot of heartbreak. You got to shatter it to let a lot in, to let this wisdom yeah. in and this vulnerability in, totally. you know, um, and that's really where the magic is. And I think um, that's what I'm grateful for. So Julie, where can everyone find you? You can find us uh, at skunkmagazine.com. That's our IG and our Facebook as well, Skunk Magazine. Um, please tune in. Uh, there's a membership club, the Skunk Brigade, that we're going to be doing. And there's going to be all sorts of wonderful, fun things. So you can come to the website, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll be receiving updates very soon. And we're doing all sorts of wonderful things, massive expansion. So so, you know, check in with us, dive in if any of this spoke to you and, and come find us. Absolutely. And we're going to be doing even more in 2022. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. I'm already signed up for the newsletter. So I will be a skunk brigader, of course. Um, but how can people find you specifically? Um, um, Julie Chiarello. So just my name. Um, and I'm sure you're going to have my name on the, we will. Yeah. The video. So, cause it's 10, <laughs> 10 letters, and a lot of vowels in there. So beautiful. Um, but yeah, you can find me and I'm very approachable and very reachable. Um, you know, and if you have a story that you feel is important and of merit, um, that fits with our ethos, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And we have a wonderful team, uh, also that's, that's at the ready, um, to, to respond and, and be responsive. So hit us up, talk to us, reach out. It's we're in it all together. It's one human race. So let's work together to um, make an even better uh, global cannabis industry. If you'd like more, subscribe to the Feminized Podcast on YouTube. Follow at Feminized with Liz Grow on Instagram. Special thanks to our sponsors, Moose Labs and Richard's Rainwater. The Feminized Podcast is a Grow House Media production created by Liz Grow. Produced by Patrick Pope, Dance Red, with original theme music and audio mixing by Q at Q to King Productions in New Braunfels, Texas.